When money is given to secure a particular outcome, that's what a bribe is, even wise people, God says, lose their ability to see clearly. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. It's great that you're with us today. And Colin, today we're looking at leadership. Yeah, it's from thousands of years ago, the book of Deuteronomy, and it speaks powerfully to us today. Leadership at every level. In Israel, that was judges and kings and priests and prophets. And God lays out what matters for each of these spheres of leadership. It's fascinating. What God says in the Old Testament is actually mirrored in the New about leadership in the church. We're going to look from the Old Testament at principles that speak right into our world today about what it means to be a godly leader. What does a godly leader look like? We need godly leadership in the home. We need that in the church. We need that in this nation. And the book of Deuteronomy speaks clearly and powerfully to us in that regard today. So today we're looking at Deuteronomy in chapter 16 as we begin the message, Lead by Learning to Follow. Here's Colin. Moses is speaking for the last time to God's people. They're on the verge of the promised land And here's God's servant, and he's pleading with them to live and to walk in ways that will see the continued blessing of God upon his people. And we've been following what Moses says to them. He's been speaking about the dynamics of a godly life, that is to fear the Lord and to love the Lord. Then he is laying out the structures of a godly life, applying it to the family, how it works out in terms of festivals or uh, particular times to release debts and so forth and so on. And as we're making our way through this book, I think you will have picked up in this series that Deuteronomy really follows the pattern of the Ten Commandments. So if you have your Bible open now and look back over where we've been the last couple of weekends, uh, in chapter 15, the year of cancelling debts, is really an application of the fourth commandment, that is the law relating to the Sabbath. And then last weekend, we looked at the festivals in chapter uh, 16. And again, that is an application of the fourth commandment. It's an application of the Sabbath to the rhythm of the year of God's people. Now, as we come to chapter 17, we're really moving to a new section of the book. And Moses is dealing clearly with the subject of leadership. And it seems right to view this as an application of the fifth commandment. It's following the same order, and it does this throughout uh, the entire book. You remember the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. Now, your father and your mother are the first figures of authority in your life. And God says you are to honor them. And so now what we find in these chapters is Moses is beginning to apply and expound and explain the implications and applications of the fifth commandment to honor your father and mother, uh, to hold those who are placed in authority, in positions of authority, in a position of honor. And so what we're looking at today is how Moses speaks about the offices of leadership, the requirements that God has for a godly leader, and then the calling that God has to his people to hold those who are appointed as leaders in honor. Now, it had originally been my intention to focus simply on the king in the passage that was read from chapter 17, but I've come to feel that what will be most useful for us today is to take the broader sweep 
of the uh, teaching that Moses gives to us here with regards to leadership. I want to draw out very simply, first, four observations about leadership from the passage of Scripture here. Secondly, to identify from the Scriptures three particular temptations that all leaders face in every culture, in every century. And then to identify from the Scriptures one priority for all leaders And then finally, to see how all this speaks to us about Jesus Christ. So I hope you have the Bible open in front of you. Let's begin with four observations about leadership. The first observation is simply this, that God gives leaders to his people, and we should thank God for this. Notice that there are four offices of leadership, beginning in chapter 16 and verse 18. First, there's the judge, then there's the king, then there's the priest, And fourthly, the prophet. First, the judge. Chapter 16 and verse 18. Appoint judges and officials for each of your tribes in every town that the Lord is giving to you, and they shall judge the people fairly. Now, as I've been reflecting on this over these last days, I'm just struck again by the relevance of God's word to us. What happens every time a name comes up as a nominee for the Supreme Court? We go through all of this process, don't we, in which questions are being asked about what? Does this person lean to the right? Or does this person lean to the left? Does this person have a political partiality? Questions about the leanings of our judges. They're all around us. And here we are in midterm elections. Have you been struck in this recession by the staggering amounts of money that are being spent on midterm elections? And it is reasonable to ask the question, where is this money coming from? And what are the commitments that are being made in return for this money? These questions are all around us, are they not? Look at verse 19. Do not pervert justice or show partiality. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. Now, you see, God is speaking here about the corrupting power of money. When money is given to secure a particular outcome, that's what a bribe is, Even wise people, God says, lose their ability to see clearly. The money clouds their vision. And even righteous people, verse 19, God says, end up twisting their words. So when God speaks about judges, this is obviously speaking to us, isn't it? It's immediately relevant. Second, Kings chapter 17 and verse 14. The king must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself. Verse 16. Now, you know that the horse in those days was the means of exercising military might. And if you were seeking to become aggressive uh, towards other nations in a military way, you would acquire large numbers of horses. And so I simply need to ask the question. It needs, it's rhetorical. It needs an answer. Are there nations in the world today that are building military power and thereby threatening the stability of the world? Answer, obviously, yes. When God speaks about kings, the building of military muscle, he's speaking to us. 
Third, priests. Chapter 18, verses 1 to 13. The Lord, verse 5, has chosen them to stand and minister in the Lord's name always. Question. Do we have any issues in the world today that are related to abusive priests? Does that sound familiar? Men who were put in a position of trust, men who were called to minister in God's name and abused that trust and brought immense pain to vulnerable people. And when God speaks about priests, he is speaking to us. And fourthly, the prophet Chapter 18, verses 14 to 22. God says, verse 18, I will put my words in his mouth. That is the mark of the prophet. He speaks the word of God. But then verse 20, God speaks about a prophet who presumes to speak in my name, things that I have not commanded him to say. Do we have a problem today with people who are given the trust of a pulpit and then use it? To speak not the word of God, but simply to speak a message of their own creating? Absolutely, it is all around us. So when God speaks to prophets, he is speaking to us. So folks, just to read this scripture and to connect with it, we live, do we not, in the world where too often we see the trouble caused by the biased judge, the abusive priest, the false prophet, and the tyrannical king. We live in a sinful and a fallen world, and the failings that we see in our leaders are merely a reflection of what resides within us ourselves. So we need these words from God in every culture and in every generation. Now, seeing the connection, I want you to notice that these words of God are particularly given to God's people. Here are God's people. They're coming into the promised land. And now they're going to be surrounded by other nations. And the other nations will be loaded with biased judges and abusive priests and false prophets and tyrannical kings and people who despise the whole lot of them. But you see what God is saying. He's saying through Moses, now among you it is to be different. Among my people, I am calling you to something that is different from the pattern that you see in the world. And so my first observation is that God gives leaders to his people. Here's the second observation. God distributes authority so that it never resides in one person alone. Very important observation from the teaching of the scripture. Very important for the church today. God distributes authority so that it never resides in one person alone. Now, notice the wisdom of God. Why are these four different offices of leadership? The judge, the prophet, the priest, and the king. Why are these distinguished? Answer. All authority lies in God himself. It resides in him. But in this fallen world, when God gives authority by delegation to men, he spreads it out. And the reason that he spreads it out is that even the best leaders are sinners in the process of being redeemed. And so God never gives delegated authority as a whole to any one person. 
That is why it was very important in ancient Israel that no one person could hold all these four offices. The priest couldn't also be the king. The prophet couldn't also be the judge, and so forth and so on. Because this is important, let me read to you a quotation from Christopher Wright, and uh, he says this very perceptively. He says, The clear distinction and separation of different kinds of authority can be seen as a significant precursor to some of the principles of democratic government, especially the separation of powers. No single person could hold all four offices. None of the authorities is given supreme authority over the others. Now, that's a very important principle in a fallen world. And uh, as we talk about the scriptures and seek to apply it, you may like to talk about how this works out in the church. What does it look like among the people of God? And although you can't draw, I think, strict, uh, defined kind of lines, let me just encourage you to think of it this way. When in the church there are cases of discipline... They come to who? The elders. For the elders in our church are called to act as judges. They are called to make judgments in situations of discipline. That's what they do. Then we have a church board that is given and trusted a kingly role. Then we have pastors who are given a prophetic role. They are to speak the word of God publicly and they're to speak it privately into the lives of God's people. If you're asking the question, well, now who are the priests? The answer, of course, is all of God's people are the priests who stand and minister in the Lord's name always. Now, folks, this is a very important principle that we're looking at here. God distributes authority so that it never resides in one person. And I want to tell you with great thankfulness that that principle is wisely applied in the way that this church is governed. And if you're a discerning person, you will be profoundly thankful for it. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and today's message, Lead by Learning to Follow. It's part of our series from the book of Deuteronomy called Take Two, The Power of a Fresh Start. And if you've missed any of the series, you can catch up or go back and listen again right up to date on our website. That's openthebible.org.uk. Or you can find us as a podcast. Go to your favourite podcast site, search for Open the Bible UK and subscribe to receive regular updates. Open the Bible is able to stay on this station and on the internet because of the financial support of our listeners. And if that's something you're considering, we have an offer for you this month. If you're able to begin supporting Open the Bible with a regular monthly donation of £5 per month or more, we'd love to thank you by sending you a book. It's by Alistair Begg and it's called The Christian Manifesto. It takes us back to the teachings of Jesus. It reminds us of the priorities of the Kingdom of God and how they're so different from today's mainstream values. It's particularly recommended by Pastor Colin Smith, and we'll be talking to him later in the programme. Back to the message now. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 16. Here's Colin. Now, here's the third observation. God gives leaders to his church. Leadership never resides simply in one person. Always be concerned if you see that pattern in a local church. Thirdly, leaders are to be qualified in character and by ability. 
Notice what God says about the king particularly. Be sure to appoint over you the king the Lord your God chooses, verse 15. Moses gives to us seven marks, no less than seven marks of a godly king. It's fascinating to me that all of them are reflected in the New Testament. See, the Bible is one book. I want you to see the flow and the unity of it. So, for example, verse 15 of chapter 17, the king must be anointed by God. That flows into the New Testament, Acts 6.3, choose men who are full of the Holy Spirit. Second, the king must be from among God's people, verse 15, which flows into Acts chapter 6 and verse 3, you're to choose from among you, from among the community of those who are bonded together in faith and in service. Number three, the king must exercise faith, verse 16. He is not to be a man who puts his trust in horses. So Acts chapter 6 and verse 5, they choose Stephen, who is a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Number four, the king must be loyal. He is not to be a man with many wives, verse 17. So that flows into 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2. The elder must be the husband of but one wife. It's the same principle, you see. Number five, the king must not be greedy. He must not, verse 17, accumulate large amounts of gold or silver, which in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 3 becomes, the elder must not be a lover of money. Number six, the king must be a student of scripture. He's to read the law of God all the days of his life, verse 19, which comes over into 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 9 by saying, the deacon is to hold the deep truths of the faith, hold the deep truths of the faith and to hold them with a clear conscience. And number seven, the king is not to consider himself better than his brothers, verse 20, which comes over into 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 3, Elders are to serve, not lording it over the flock, but being examples to them. And you see the wonderful unity of this. There's a certain character that God is looking for among those who are to be trusted with great responsibility in his church, whatever that be in the world. Whatever century you live in, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, the character that God is looking for never changes. And so discerning members of a congregation must learn to recognize and discriminate where it exists, where it does not. Fourth observation, God's people are to hold their leaders in honor. Look at chapter 17 and verse 12. God's calling his people to be different from the world where there's all this abuse that goes on and, and all this despising and hatred that comes as a result of it. And God is saying, now, here's the kind of leader that is to be chosen and is to be trusted among my people. And then he says this, verse, chapter 17, verse 12, the man who shows contempt for the judge or for the priest who stands ministering there to the Lord your God. You see what happens to him? Do you see what happens to him? He must be put to death. You must purge the evil from Israel. Now, folks, relax. We do not in the church put to death people who show contempt, that's the word, for spiritual leaders. 
But there may be times when it is necessary to put such a person out of the church. That church discipline is the New Testament equivalent of what is being said here with regards to the Old Testament scriptures. This is why the scripture says in the New Testament, you see, warn a divisive person once, then warn him a second time. And after that, warn him a third time? No. Have nothing more to do with him. Have nothing more to do with him. That's why in the scriptures, you see, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the apostle says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you and are over you in the Lord. Hold them in the highest regard in love. That's God's word to us. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work and live at peace with one another. So God's people, we're being told here, are to appoint leaders who are worthy of honor. And they are to give to these leaders the honor that is due. So this is very practical teaching, isn't it? For us and for all of God's people, any place in the world, in any generation. Four observations about leadership. Number one, God gives leaders to his people. Thank God for that. We'd be in chaos without it. Second, God distributes authority so that it never resides in one person alone. Third, leaders are to be qualified by character and by ability. And fourth, God's people are to hold their leaders in honor. That is what God God is saying to his people as an application of the fifth commandment, which is honor your father and your mother. How we handle authority is a matter on which God speaks to us. Pastor Colleen Smith here on Open the Bible, taking a look at leadership. Next time, we're going to hear about the three temptations that all leaders face. That's money, sex, and power. Those are the big three temptations for leaders. But what is the one priority all leaders should pursue? That'll be in our next broadcast, so I hope you'll join us for that. If you ever miss one of our broadcasts, you can always go online and catch up or go back and listen again. That's at our website, openthebible.org.uk. You can also find us as a podcast. Go to your favourite podcast site and search for Open the Bible UK. Subscribe to receive regular updates. Also on our website is Open the Bible Daily. That's a series of short two to three minute reflections based on Pastor Colin Smith's teaching and read in the UK by Sue McLeish. Sue, what can we expect in this month's Open the Bible Daily? Well, it's a continuation of the book of Deuteronomy. This began last month and now we complete it this month. And I've so enjoyed preparing it and reading it because there's just so much to learn from it. And what I think is so special is that, as always, Pastor Colin brings it to our present time and makes it so relevant. I've been blessed by it and I hope others will when they hear it. You can find Open the Bible Daily both on our website, openthebible.org.uk, and also as a podcast. Open the Bible is supported entirely by our listeners, people just like you. If you've been considering supporting Open the Bible financially, we have an offer for you. If you're able to set up a payment of £5 per month or more, we'd love to thank you by sending you a book. It's called The Christian Manifesto by Alistair Begg. 
Colin, who is this book for? Well, it's really for anyone who is concerned about the deepening cultural divisions and hostilities that seem to be engulfing us these days. And I would think that that would include any thoughtful Christian. It is a marvellous book that is just full of the kind of grace and the kind of wisdom that we need. You know, it seems like Christians are often trying to get a sense of, you know, whose side are we on? Which side are we on? And the, the answer to that question is we're on the side of Jesus. And Alistair Begg has very wonderfully drawn out from Luke's account of the great sermon of Jesus, the distinctive call of the Lord Jesus Christ, the manifesto that's given to us as his followers, which is unlike anything else that will ever be found anywhere in the world. I found it refreshing, stimulating. I found it full of hope and full of wisdom, full of encouragement. And I'm very grateful that we have the opportunity of making this book available this month. Well, this book, The Christian Manifesto by Alistair Begg, is our gift to you if you're able to set up a new donation for Open the Bible in the amount of £5 per month or more. More details on our website, openthebible.org.uk. For Open the Bible and Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick, and I hope you'll be able to join us again next time. It'll shape your thinking, it'll form your character, and it'll energise your life. Find out what it is next time on Open the Bible.